Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real Clear Politics Takeaway for Tuesday, October 18th, 2022, three weeks from Election Day. I'm Tom Bevan, co-founder and president of RCP. And I'm Carl Cannon, Washington Bureau Chief. About two million Americans have already voted, Tom, so we are we are in the home stretch. This is happening. So the numbers out of Georgia yesterday, first day of early voting, off the charts, massive early voting. Uh, I also tweeted out a story this morning as I was perusing all the local papers around the country, up 23% in New Mexico early voting, first day there. So I, I think we're looking at a, a huge turnout. Elect- now the question is, well, how many of those people, you know, that, that are now early voting would have voted on election day or are these new people? I think this is going to be, though, a big, big turnout election. Both sides, very engaged. This, the national parties have have certainly framed this election in apocalyptic terms. Um, so I think we're going to have a motivated uh, uh, motivated uh, voters turning out well, this year. No across. less an authority than Joseph Biden said it was the most important midterm election since Franklin Roosevelt was president. Now, he'd know that because he was born <laughs> when Franklin Roosevelt was president. That's I'm not that's not Carl, a slur. You, you uh, should know that you covered that election. That's a historic fact. Joe <laughs> Biden is our own is is the only president we've had whose birth president was Franklin Roosevelt. And he's in Oregon and he says this is the most important midterm. I don't know whether that's true or how you even measure something like that. But that's the kind of thing both parties are telling their loyalists um, the early voting, it looks like uh, ABC News had an analysis. Most of it's uh, disproportionate numbers, Democrats. So these are voters who can't wait to vote against the party that gave them the Dobbs decision. But your, to your point, Tom, most of those people, they may, may, may have voted anyway. I mean, you only get to vote once, presumably. I, well, you're, you're in Chicago. <laughs> that's you're a whole other podcast, Carl. <laughs> Maybe that's not true in Chicago, but most places you could only vote once. Yeah, and in addition to early voting, we're in the uh, the thick of the debates now, and we had a couple last night. Let's talk about them. The the marquee. There were two marquee ones: one Senate, one Gov. And the Senate race uh, in Ohio, you had Tim Ryan and JD Vance in their second debate. A lot of these places are only having one debate, and some of them are having no debates, which is again, that's a whole other podcast. But. Um, this race turned sort of nasty. This Tim Ryan, JD Vance. Uh, we had a poll come out yesterday showing JD Vance up two points. Um, they were going at it on crime, on immigration, on inflation, on abortion. What do you make of this race, Carl? Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. You've got Mike DeWine at the top of the ticket, who's way ahead. You know, 15, 17, 18 points in most polls. Uh, but JD Vance, you know, it seems to be. A pretty close race. But again, Ohio is one of those states, if you're looking at poll error over the last three cycles, um, this is a state that Trump won by eight points. And, you know, Republican support in that state and some of the polls over the last three cycles has been underestimated by anywhere from seven to nine points. So this this may not be as close as the polls are showing it right now. What do you think? Well, I, I, the Democrats in Ohio nominated, well, I think, their strongest candidate. Uh, right. And Ryan's a veteran House member. He comes across as sensible. He's genuine. He's a real, he's an Ohio Democrat uh, from another era, really. And, you know, the, and J.D. Vance is a guy who wrote this book that made him famous. Uh, and, and you know, but with the, with the Yale, went out to San Francisco, made money in Silicon Valley. Um, there's a, <clears throat> there's a, idea among some voters in Ohio that he's an opportunist, that he hasn't paid his dues, you know, that he's not, 
now this is a subjective judgment I'm going to make, but he on paper, well, and on the campaign trail, he's not as good a candidate as, as Ryan, but he's done all right. And he, he, you know, he quits himself. Well, he's well-spoken. He, he's, you know, he, he's threaded the needle with the Trump voters. He, he's done all right. The question is a, 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 an okay candidate versus a good candidate, but is Ohio just too Republican a state now for it to well, matter? I mean, it's, it's clear that it is. And I think, you know, if you've watched these debates, if you've seen some of the clips, Tim Ryan has been absolutely running away from Joe Biden and the Democrats as fast as he can on a number of issues. I mean, he really has tried to separate himself. And that's the only way he's going to have a chance in this race. And the question is whether voters are going to buy that or not. So, um, Well, Phil, we've got a piece I, I touted on our page this morning. Phil Wegman wrote a story about this. That the Republicans are starting to to taunt Biden saying, please, you know, come, come campaign in our state because the president has been out there. He, look, he's been raising money. He's been making stops, but he has mostly avoided, uh, these swing States. You know, he's been going, he's been going to democratic States. Now the exception to that is Pennsylvania. He's campaigned there. And, you know, he, he really wants to deliver. He's going back there. Yeah, that's right. And that's his home state. He's born there. But to the point, I mean, he was in Colorado, which is, look, that race, the Senate race there is in play. The governor's race, not so much. But then California, and then also Oregon, which again they're staring they're staring at a, a Republican governor for the first time in in however long um, in that state. All right, switching to the other side, Carl. The other debate uh, that took place last night that was you know got a lot of attention was was the governor's debate in Georgia. Stacey Abrams, Brian Kemp. This is a repeat of 2018 um, on the stage there. <clears throat> Brian Kemp is ahead, well ahead. In, in most of the polls, seven, eight, nine points. It's, there's very, uh, very consistent data on this race showing him with a pretty solid lead. Why is Stacey Abrams not doing as well uh, as I think a lot of Democrats thought she was going to do this cycle uh, against Brian Kemp? And given that, you know, Warnock has shown strength, some strength against uh, Herschel Walker, why, why is she not doing, I think, living up to the expectations Democrats had for her this cycle? Well, Tom, you have to remember, she's the one, she ran against Kemp. She never really accepted that loss four years ago. If she's accepted it to this day, I'm unaware of it. Really well, she says she it. has. Okay. She was but, asked about that last night. Well, yeah. She says- But the but, but point, yeah. point is, is that what the Democrats' big theory of the case this year is that, okay, yeah, we have inflation. Yeah, the border's not great. Yes, we have crime. But this other party is led by- Donald Trump, who doesn't accept elections. Fascist authoritarian. does not accept elections he lost. Stacey Abrams is sort of at odds with that message. It's cognitive distance. She's she's not the right candidate, you know, to make that argument. She, there's other things about her. She's a compelling African-American woman, accomplished legislature. I'm not saying she doesn't have an argument. But on that one thing, Brian Kemp is positioned perfectly. He's the guy who stood up to Trump, literally was denounced by Trump. Yet he's a conservative. So he's a guy who gets all the Repu normal Republican votes. And then he gets the suburban moderates who normally vote Republican, who appreciate that he stood up for Trump. So he's well positioned. She has this awkward thing that she she never conceded. She she did what Trump did. She refused to accept the election. So I, to me, that makes sense, actually. It is an interesting dynamic because, you know, being a governor, as I said, so, you know, inflation, gas prices, right? This is all a drag for the Democrats who are in Washington. It's a drag for Raphael Warnock, 
However, it's not being held against some of these incumbent governors, right? Brian Kemp, voters seem to like him. He's, he seems to be doing a good job. We just mentioned Mike DeWine. Same thing. I mean, they've got inflation. They've got gas price issues in, in Ohio and Georgia. The governors, though, are well positioned to, to be reelected. And, and yet you have uh, Democrats are suffering because they control all the levers of power in Washington. And, and they are seen as largely responsible for the policies that have come out uh, over the last couple of years. And uh, they're being held, you know, voters are, are holding them to account for it, it seems. Well, I'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen in that Senate race in Georgia, though. You know, th- this is. Well, right. You think Herschel Walker has not proved to be a strong candidate. He's been dogged by these allegations that he. Paid Although he did for, have a pretty good debate, Carl. I mean, that he, was, he paid for a, an abortion. Uh, there's been some some dirt on the other side, a conservative uh, investigative uh story that um, by a conservative outlet that uh, Senator Warnicke's um, church is a, is a slumlord, basically, and it's evicted people. I don't think that's caught on. It hasn't gotten much coverage. But that race is, you know, that to me that, but neither of those candidates is over, has gotten over 50% of poll and neither is below 45. So I, I'm not sure that Herschel Walker is is lost there. I, I think that's a competitive race. What, what is your feeling? What's your thought? Yeah, it is. It, one of the interesting things about this election to me too, is you look at a place like Arizona where Carrie Lake is running ahead of Katie Hobbs there, but Blake Masters is running behind Mark Kelly or uh, you know some of these other races. You look at Georgia and you think, Brian Kemp, okay, if he wins by seven, eight, nine points, if the polls are correct, is Herschel Walker really going to run nine points or 10 points worse? Are there really that many voters, Democrats that are going to go in and split their ticket and vote, you know, for Brian Kemp and Warnock or, you know, Republican voters that are going to go in there and vote for Brian Kemp and then Warnock. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Well, it's happened um, in the past. It's happened. Wait a minute. Yeah. But wait a minute. What you're really looking at, I think, are these are independent voters that are splitting their tickets, not base Republican, base Democratic voters. You know, forty percent of Americans. That's now, not going to. That's not going to make up ten points, Carl. A plurality of Americans do not associate themselves with either political party, so it is not beyond the realm of possibility that you could still have that. That's a relatively small number of ticket splitters that it takes to do it. Yeah, and I just I don't know that, that that's going to be again. You know, maybe there are Republicans that are going to go vote for Brian Kemp and then leave the the Senate uh, slot blank and just refuse to vote for for Herschel Walker. But um, it's it, in this era of divided government of of tribal politics, boy, it is it is tough to see that um, that kind of situation. So anyway, all right, a lot more to talk about. We'll have to do it on another podcast because we're out of time this morning. I'm Tom Bevan, co-founder and president of Real Clear Politics. I'm Carl Cannon, and this has been the Real Clear Politics Takeaway for Tuesday, October 18th, 2022, three weeks from Election Day.